0: Where are we going? You all see that on the screen? Where are we going? The Firehouse Church in 2020. Where are we going? And you might ask the question, Greg, why are you even asking that question? Yeah, that's legit. It's legit to ask that question, right? I think sometimes, though, life kind of goes, you guys notice this life goes and it goes faster and faster and faster maybe it's sort of like, you know remember the old Willy Wonka movie was Gene Wilder, it keeps going and going and shows no signs of slowing, right I've shared this illustration with you a few of you recently, I got this from my dad he's in his mid-70s and he said, you know, life is like a roll of toilet paper each time around goes faster and faster. And I was like, I think that's a valuable illustration, but then I started thinking about it, and I was like, wait, do we want to compare life to toilet paper? I don't know. I mean, the, it says, you know, the, the Lord has created some of us for noble purposes and some of us for ignoble purposes, and so maybe some of us are like that. I'll, I, you know, if the Lord would have me be, you know, as toilet paper, I guess that's what I would do, right? But life is like that. It goes and it goes, and if we just roll with it, If we just roll with it, the next thing we know it's all unraveled, or we end up in places where we go, how did I end up here? And so sometimes things happen in life, and I think the Lord brings events and situations in our life that cause us to to pause, to shift, to get our eyes up, to look and say, what is going on in the world around us? And that is the case with our church, as you may have heard. Our lease on this building is going to be up this year. Now, that probably won't be too much of a surprise to most of you. Uh, About 18 months ago, we had an all-church meeting and said, Hey, guess what? This is coming. The lease is going to go away on this building. We're not going to have this. And so it's been percolating and thinking about it. But now 2020 is here. And when we signed that lease 10 years ago, that date 2020 seemed like a long time in the future. And now it is here, right? And you've all, I'm sure, seen those beautiful for rent signs (laughs) in the window out front. I've had people who are not even part of our church who know me, who have said to me, hey, what's going on? I drove by and I saw those beautiful signs (laughs) in the window, right? And I go, yes, let's all be clear. Our lease ends in October least started in October, it ends in October. It's coming. And the owners of the building, they they I, I mean, I can't... I, I could just say good things about them because they're, they're just nice and they're gracious. They're friendly. They've been very courteous. Uh, I don't have anything bad to say about them. They're, they're just great people. Um, it's been a great relationship all these years. But they've decided that their desire is to make more income off of something else being in this building. And... You know what, I can't really blame them for that, right? I go, that's great. That's fine. That's, uh, you know, their decisions and what they want to do, I really can't comment on that. And I go, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, right? So I think that's good. But what does it mean for us? It means that the curtain is about to fall on our time as a church in this building. That's what's happening. Now, is anybody panicking? Is anybody panicking? I hope you're not. Don't panic. Please don't panic. There's no reason to panic. We've known this has been a possibility or likelihood since 2010, right? So it's always been there. And we've known it's been a certainty since the summer of 2018, right? When we sort of had that communication with the owner and we were like, all right, this is coming. We know this is happening. And so here it is before us. But what's been really cool, I think, is that we've known in advance We've known in advance this is coming, and that's given us all a chance to pray. It's given us a chance to consider what's going on, to think deeply about a lot of issues, to seek counsel from a number of places, and so forth. And really, for me, as the, the full-time pastor here, it's really allowed me to kind of step back and to start asking some deeper questions, right? Uh, some of those questions are, include this question, what is the church? Again, right, if I don't stop and say, well what, well, what is the church? What is it supposed to be? I just kind of keep rolling. That, that roll will just kind of keep unwinding, right? Sometimes it's good to stop and ask that question and make some comparisons, right? Another question was, well, you know what? Jesus set up the church. What was his intention? I, I've said this before. You've heard me say it. Uh... Jesus set up the church, and you know, he's God, and so when he was going away and going to ascend into heaven and working with the disciples, he could have set up any type of organization he wanted to set up. He could have set up a business. He could have set up uh, a sports team. He could have set up a multi level marketing situation. He could have set up whatever, but he set up the church. That's what he set up. What was his intention? It's good sometimes to go back and ask those questions. Another question. To go, okay, we have this time, I can look at the world around us. How are churches around us in the world living up to Jesus' intentions for the church, and how are they not living up to this? Now, I'm not one who wants to go around and just be super critical and criticize other people and point out their flaws and their mistakes, but to go, okay, well, we really do have that opportunity in this culture. Whereas, like... Tim and Julie in China maybe don't have that opportunity quite so much because everybody's kind of in hiding a little bit. You can't really go and look at what's going on or someplace where there's a state church. It kind of is what it is. They go, okay, there's lots of churches in the world around us. How are they doing? What are they doing? Are they living up to what Jesus' intentions are for the church or not? And then we can sort of turn that spotlight on ourselves and say, are we living up to those intentions? Is is our church, is the firehouse church, living up to Jesus' intention for the church How are we not living up to it? It can be very challenging, but just being transparent, I want to always sort of turn that spotlight, turn that lens back on us and look at it. And another question then that results is, okay, should we be doing the same thing we're doing now and just do it somewhere else? Or should we be doing something different? It's a good question. It's been a time for me, this this season of asking these questions, and it's just been so awesome it's been so awesome to have this opportunity I think it would have been very difficult if we just were going along and all of a sudden uh, oh we have to we have to move out of here we have to get out and this overnight and we would just try to scramble and scramble and scramble It's been very just wonderful, just a blessing from the Lord to say, okay, this has given us a chance to cast a vision, to look into the future and try to make some plans and set some things up that way. And so my summary of that time is I would just say this, God has really met me and Brad and met us as a church in this. He's really been here and and I really see his hand in this season of considering these things and trying to figure out where we're going forward. So another good piece of news was that we have that time not only has it given us a chance to consider things, but it's given us a chance to lay some plans, right? We've had a chance to lay some plans uh, and get ready to take some steps. So it's not an overnight emergency. We get to be careful. We get to be faith-filled. And we have a pretty good road map. The picture on the screen there is of a map, right? Most of us don't use maps anymore. Uh, but... Uh, We, you know, just use our phones, but we need a map. We need directions. How are we going to get where we're going? What are we going to do? So we've laid out a road map for our church, and over the next several weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you all this road map. But I'm going to share it with you very gradually. You're not going to get the whole thing. You can't jump ahead to the end. You're just going to get a piece at a time. And we're going to answer that question we asked at the beginning. Where are we going? That's what we're going to answer. So I'll give you the short answer. This is a spoiler alert. This is it. We're not closing our doors as a church. That's not the plan. Our plan is not to do that. We're not going to stop our operations. I am convinced there is a new and exciting thing before us to walk into. So don't worry. We're not sending you all away. We're all going to keep going. But again, we're just going to share this with you one piece at a time. And part of the reason to do that is we want to give everybody the opportunity to process this. I've had a lot of time to process this. If I just like dump it all you, on you at once, it's going to be difficult. So we want to give you some time here as we're going for you to process this, for you to start thinking about it yourself, to pray, uh, to develop questions. love to take questions, even difficult questions. I want to give you a chance to shift your heart. For, you know, as we, as we shift as a church, for you to be able to shift your heart as well, I think is really going to be helpful for all of us. And I'll get some encouragements for that at the end of the message here. But our basic schedule is this. Today is going to be part one. Uh, and then next week we're going to pause a little bit on sharing this because Tim Cavanaugh is going to be up here next week. Right, Julie? Next week, next week he's going to be here. I'll call him. He's going to be here. He told me he would. (laughs) If I have to go to Greeley and get him, no. That's the goal. That's the idea. Uh, Tim will be here sharing about China next week, and then we'll do probably four to five more weeks about about where we're going. And that's what we're going to do. So if you are going to miss a week, that's okay happens to all of us, who get sick or we're traveling or things are going on, we record all these messages and this will be your chance. They will be on the website, they will be on the podcasts, uh, you can go and listen to what we're talking about and make sure you're caught up or even if you just hear it and you say, man, I feel like I need to hear that again, it's all there available for you. So, today, before we march any further down the road, we, we, we want to take this opportunity and look back. I think it's really important to look back. There's a couple of quotes here. One of them is from Maya Angelou. You can't really know where you're going until you know where you've been. Right, another quote from Lewis Carroll. Uh, he said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Good? And then, of course, classic, uh, classic uh, man of wisdom In the 20th century, Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. (laughs) So we want to look back, but this is really scriptural, right? We go back to Deuteronomy. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generations. Ask your father and he will inform you. Your elders and they will teach you. And so it's worthwhile scripturally. It is worthwhile for us. To look back, I think God has an intention that we be aware of our past, to be aware of where we've been, of the lessons we've learned, and the dreams of the people who've come before us. And so, I kind of want to start off this in a different way, instead of thinking first about oh, what is this organization been? I first want to think about how did how did you how did we get here as individuals? Uh, what I mean is this: How did you come to faith? And so I thought I would open it up. It's kind of fun. We did this a few weeks ago. We let people talk. But I'd like to get uh, just a a brief, like, ten seconds from a number of you. I'd love for people to just stand up and say, I placed my faith in Christ, or I was saved uh, at this time, like on this date, in this location. And if I have a follow up question, I'll ask you a follow up question. But I'm not looking for you to give a whole testimony, just that basic information, because I want us all to see where people came to know the Lord. So, yep, Kenneth, stand up. I came here uh, in Denver from college in 2010, and I uh, met some good friends, and invited me to church. And I wasn't a Christian yet, and um, after a year of them inviting me to dinner, frisbee, and having a good discussion. They decided to give my life to Christ on the eve of my 20th birthday on March 7th, 2012. Excellent. Yeah. March of 2012. Alright, somebody else. Rob. I came to Christ in October of 1982 at Iowa State University. Excellent. October 1982, Iowa State University. Somebody else. This is easy, right? You don't even have to talk. Sarah. I got saved. When she was seven, at her parents' kitchen table in Loveland, Colorado, right? Somebody else, Linda. Uh, uh, Iowa State uh, University, 1974. 1974 at Iowa State University. A lot of people weren't yet born. You've been a believer longer than many of us have been alive. That's awesome, Holly. Were you raising your hand? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. was Raised in a Christian home, I was five. I'm not going to reveal what year that was. But Colorado Springs, Colorado, very similar to you. I think we were sitting on the couch down in the living room. Nice. Good. Good. Five years old in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Tim. I was. Oh, I I can't remember how old I was. Um, But it was the fall of or the spring of. 2009 uh, at, uh Colorado State University in Fort Collins Yes 2009 in Fort Collins Colorado Somebody else Anita I'll add to the Iowa state number <laughs> February 1983 at uh, Iowa state after a after a uh, men giving the women a Valentine's Day type of dinner in our church group, <laughs> and one guy said, Do you know for certain you're going to heaven? And I thought, "I answered him right, and then I all evening I didn't know. Oh. went home and prayed to respond. Like, oh. I knew the answer, they'd like, I really haven't done this, have I? Yes. 1984? 1983. 1983 yeah. Iowa State University. That's a, I like that story. That's good. Somebody else. Gretchen um, I was 8 years old Air Force kid Went to missionary school In Taiwan In Taiwan 8 years old In Taiwan At a missionary school Your parents were Your dad was Air Force Right? Yep Yeah Somebody else? Yes I couldn't tell you the year But I was in middle school And I was at church camp In Larkspur Church camp in Larkspur In middle school That's good Roger did I see your hand back there? I became a Christian in October of 1983, a meeting of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Fellowship of Christian Athletes, 1983. Interesting, you both became believers in 19... 19- Did you know each other at the time? In high school, I was in college. Ah, they didn't know each other yet. How about that? Good. Did I see another hand over here, someone? Another hand. Anyone else? Julie? I became a Christian the same... Ah. for me, I'm sure. Yeah. We several other seniors. Uh-huh. Wow. And she's been praying for you ever since. Yeah. No, that, isn't that amazing? 1974, roommates, and they're sitting in the same church today. That is really cool. Okay, maybe like one more person. Leo. nineteen eighty eight. 1988, a community center just down the street. Yeah, amazing. Well, I'll share. We could all go on, right? And you all probably have in your own mind where your faith story took off, started where you took that step. Here's mine. This is a a picture of what I look like when I became a believer. 1984. Somebody else might have said 1984. Uh, I was living in Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, I went to a private Christian school, and my kindergarten teacher uh, presented the gospel to the class. And a number of students prayed to receive Christ that morning, and I was one of them. Um, So my point here is we've all come from all these different places, and we've all ended up here together. We're all on a journey, and we're all here. And I think it's just really neat that it's not like, well, we just all sort of got together in a group and made this decision together, and we're just moving forward. It's like different strands of a tapestry are all sort of woven together into this one group of people and this one place. And so, if you're here, then most likely, unless you're visiting with us, if you're visiting with us, you're welcome, and we're so glad you're here. But if you're here and you're going, yeah, this is this church is part of my life, then. It's just one component of your faith story. See, everyone's faith story is in some ways bigger than our church being together. But each one of us has joined this church journey at different points. And I'm sure even Julie and Linda, though they've got saved at about the same time, their paths have done different things and have been together at times and apart at times, and now they're sitting... You know, five feet away from each other, right? It's great. The Lord has these stories and he's building these stories into us. And realistically, when we think about this church and this organization, there are very, very few of us who were here at the birth of this little church. And I go, well, because that's the case, I would really like to review the history of our church. So we all know, right? I'm sure many of you get questions too. I get them all the time. Like, what's? Why do you have the church name? How long have you been here? What? When did you start? Did you? Did this used to be a fire station, right? You get all of those kind of questions. So I, so I thought, let's set the record straight. Although we, I know we've talked about these things before, but let's sort of lay this marker down and say, here is a history. And so if anyone is ever curious and they go, what is our history? They could go back to this recording and say, here is a history up until this point of our church. And why do we do that? Because knowing our history helps us to know where we're going. We want to answer that question. Where are we going? To know where we're going, we need to know where we've come from. So let's start at the beginning. There's our city. Denver, Colorado, in the summer of 2003, a man by the name of Rick Whitney, who was a regional church leader and a pastor in some church in a church in Denver, challenged a guy named Rich Thatcher, who was a pastor at a church in Fort Collins. He said, hey, would you and your family pray about and consider planting a church in Denver? In the center of Denver. And so Rich said, Okay, well, I respect Rick and I'll listen to what he says and I'll start praying about that. And so he began praying and, and searching that out there in the summer of 2003. Interestingly, in the fall of 2003, I, I had heard about this sort of through the Great Violence. So I sent an email to Rich and I said, Hey, Rich, let me know if this goes forward. I'd be interested in that. At the time, uh, Christine and I were living in Seattle. I was a graduate student in architecture at the University of Washington. And Rich wrote back and said, Well, there's nothing going on yet. But if it does, I'll put you first on the list, right? So then in move forward to the following spring in 2004. I said, all right, seems like things could be moving that direction, but we don't really know. So Rich brought a team of students and single professionals to Denver uh, just for a week in the spring. And they were asking the question, is this a place we should even think about? planting a church. So it was kind of that next step. And here's a photo of some of the people from that group. Do you recognize anybody from our midst? This guy? That's a much younger Brad Albert, right? You might recognize some of those other people. That's a, uh, Dale and Linda's son-in-law there, right? And Yeah, so uh, this is what they did. They came and they showed up there. You see the date? Uh, that should be March 21st of 2004 on that. So they showed up, and they considered this, and their conclusion at the end was, yes, this is worth thinking about, planting a church. They said, okay, what's the next step? Rich said, well, let's bring another team of students here for the summer. Just like this last summer, we had a, a team of students from college, from Arizona State University came. and. With us, and they weren't looking at are we going to plan a church, but they were in a sort of a development process in their own lives and spiritual growth. And so this group of students and, and singles showed up in Denver uh, in the summer of 2004, and Rich brought his family, and they called it Infusion, and their question was. Well, should we plan? Should we plan a church? Should we do that? And here's a picture. I apologize; it's it's grainy. It's not my picture, but um, to see If you there's, there's Brad again. So Brad was there, uh, and I was trying to figure out. It's real grainy. But anyone who's with us right now, the other person I noticed was uh, Andy Simpson is right there in the back too. Does anyone know anyone else on part of this group? Sarah, are you there? Where? There's Sarah. All right. Uh, Sarah and Brad, together at the beginning. <laughs> Who? Oh, and Jay Weber, too. Right, yeah, that's Jay, right? Yep. Okay. So they were there, and they came for the summer of 2004, and they, they sort of tilled the field, if you will, and said, what, what's going on? Is this going to work, or are we going to do this? And their conclusion at the end of the time was, <clears throat> yes, yes, obviously, yes, we should plant a church. So Rich and his family moved permanently or semi-permanently, at least, to, you know, for the foreseeable future, to Denver at the end of the summer of 2004. And at this time, Rich decided on a name for the church. Now, Does anyone know what the name for the church was? Firehouse Number One. It seems kind of like an odd name for a church, doesn't it? Firehouse Number One or Firehouse No One? I no. It was Number One. <laughs> And what was that about, right? I'm sure you guys get these questions. I get these questions all the time. Why is your church called the firehouse? Well, there's some very good reasons, and I will share them with you here. And so now you can share them with anyone else who ever asks you, right? It came from a few verses. One verse, a couple verses there in Jude, verses 22 and 23. Sort of instructions for what the church should do. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Thinking of the fire of eternity and the fire of destruction, of life choices and so forth. Another verse from Jeremiah. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. So this commitment to the Bible, a commitment to God's word and God's truth... Another verse, Matthew 21, Jesus said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. So the church is the house of Jesus, and it's to be a house of prayer. And so we looked at those things, saving others, being devoted to the word, being devoted to God, and through prayer. So there was this spiritual concept, right? It was not, well, we found an old fire station, and we're going to meet in, so let's call it that, right? It was firehouse number one. It was based on these scriptures. So that was the spiritual aspect of it. And so the goal of the church was to rescue the lost, to help the wandering and the hurt and the broken people around us by introducing them to Jesus and to the gospel and to salvation. But, there was also a functional concept behind this name. That's the the number one. It wasn't just, we're number one, right? That wasn't the reason for doing it. Why was it number one? Well, number one is, you said, okay, so it's like a firehouse or a fire station. You'll notice like this fire station that I pulled off the internet has a number on it. Why is there a number? Anyone know? It's like a station. And a fire station covers a whole city? Nope, it covers a small area. And so there's a network of fire stations, of firehouses around. And each one is working in its own sphere of influence. And so the functional idea was that this church would not aim to become a mega church in a single location where we just gather and gather and gather and gather, but to be a network of smaller churches that are having influence in their spheres, and their neighborhoods, and their locations, and their towns. So that was the functional idea, and so number 1 was included in the name to say, "Hey, this is the number 1." It was a sort of a marker laid down that this is what we're aiming for. We're going to be the first in a series of interconnected smaller churches. So, said so that's what we're going to do, and so about 18 people plus Rich and his family moved to Denver, and on August 28th, at least as near as I can tell, August 28, 2004, there was the first official church meeting of Firehouse Number 1. And it was in Rich's apartment in Commons Park West, which is just down the hill here. I think this is a photo. If this wasn't from that service, it was kind of from that time and some people who were present at that. Uh, was anybody at the first service? Sarah, were you there? Sarah's probably the only one. My family she and I showed up the next weekend. Had, like, my job situation, getting the job and getting moved. So we showed up the next weekend. But we were there. But other than that, no one else was there, right? Nobody else. Only Sarah. Sarah was there. So, over the next 12 months, the church began to add people to our numbers. We added people, people moved in, people came from other churches, they graduated from school, found jobs, Uh, other people were lost and, and wandering and were influenced by their friends, and they came and found spiritual family in the firehouse, number one. And so as the church grew, we began to move our regular meetings from location to location. It's always fun to sort of look at some of these. Uh, One of the first ones we met at was this little place. And you can see the address on there, uh, 2128 15th Street. It was a marketing firm that did marketing. And we met in that office for a season. Uh, we went on to this place called the Metro. You can see the address, 2121 Delgani. Uh, if you look in the reflection of the window there, you can see Coor's field. So that tells you kind of its proximity and where it was. That's where we met. Here's a picture of us meeting on the inside. And there is somebody I know for sure in this picture who is here this morning. That was the guy who made you coffee this morning, Reeve Miller. That was him over here. He was there. So it began to grow and move. We, we actually even met on campus at the Tivoli Student Center there at the Auraria campus for a season as well. Uh, about a year into it, we had our first retreat as a church. Here's a picture of almost everybody uh, who was here. I, I didn't see Brad he might be in the back and hiding, but he was part of the church. So this was probably 95% of the church at that time. You go, well, are there? Is there anybody here? There is. I drew circles around them. That's Reva Pie, and me and Christine. There's Jeremy Triggs and Andy Simpson, Sarah, Macbeth at the time, Albert now. And look, there's Zach Kaiser. So there we were at our first retreat as a church. From there, we ended up on our Sundays. We moved on to this place, which is located a few blocks from here, the Asbury Events Center. Who remembers the Asbury? Raise your hand. A few people remember that. It was a handy place to meet. It kind of got us into this neighborhood. But I'm thinking, somebody got married there, didn't they? These guys got married there. Yep, out on that patio that's right there. Remember that? That was a good time. So, a lot of memories in these things, and as a church, we began to increase our meetings from once a week to twice a week, and then that second time a week began multiplying into home Bible studies and eventually into small groups and so the family of the church grew and people joined with us and of course people left and that's just a natural process for churches and we experienced that and continue on and we'll flash forward here five years to 2009 and the, the landlord of this place kind of realized, wait a second, I could make more money by renting this to somebody else who has deeper pockets than you. Sounds familiar, right? Seems like a cycle of things happen in life here. And so that happened. And so the pastors this time, Brad and Brad was a pastor, and Rich and Jeff Wieman, they were the pastors, and they said, okay, let's seek the Lord. Let's pray and consider what are the options? What should we do? What would the Lord have us do? And they found this place. This lovely green, lime green building. It was ugly, man. And they began to consider that question okay, should we move into a building? We've been this mobile church just meeting and renting in places, and should we move into a building? Is that what we should do? And so they prayed about it, and they said, Man, this place seems like it could be a good church home, right? But there was a problem. Here's a picture of the inside after we'd cleared out all the stuff. We were like, Well, there's some problems with this building. The building, it had no restrooms. It's kind of a problem. It had no lights, it had no heat, and no cooling. It had no water, it had no drains, it had no insulation, so it got very hot and very cold, uh, it had no windows, the floor sloped, uh, it was basically a pile of bricks with a wood roof, let's have a church there, and we thought, well, that's crazy, so... Uh, it didn't really seem perfect to some and not to others. They asked their resident architect to look at it. That was me. And I came in here and I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> literally. I was like, <laughs> you're joking, right? And I was seriously thought they were joking and they were not joking. Why did I laugh? Because the task to do this seems so monumental and so out of the box it was so difficult, it was going to be so expensive, uh, I didn't know how we were going to do it. It was hilarious to me because it was so absurd. On the surface, we didn't seem like we had the right people for this. We didn't have the finances for doing this. We looked at a construction loan and they were like, well, uh, sure, if you want to put like your pastor's homes up as collateral, we were like, we don't want to do that. Like, how are we going to pay for this? We had no idea how it was going to happen. But God's direction was really clear. And so through a whole series of events, and I I won't go through all of those, the pastors were like, all right, we're going to sign a lease. And so in the fall of 2010, the lease got signed and the work got started on this building. And God just seemed to move all of the hurdles and helped us clear those and walk through doors and the, the construction started and the construction got going. Um... In the meantime, we moved to a couple other temporary locations as we were waiting for this project to get done. This lovely piece of architecture over on Spear and I 25, the Ramada. They said we lacked nada at the Ramada. We actually lacked a lot at the Ramada, but it was all right. We were there for a time, and then we moved over to student housing, the Regency, down at 38th and I-25. Uh, we were there for a season as well. And so we met there on Sundays, but on Saturdays, we worked. We came in here, and we worked. And on week, eventually by the end, we were working on weeknights, we were working on Saturdays, it was very full. Here's some pictures from the construction. That's in our cafe. You might recognize those two guys. That's Reeve and Josiah. They're sitting over here today. But that's them in the cafe. Uh, that's our, our, the plumbing for our restrooms going in. That's the front. You might recognize that. Cutting holes in the front of the building for those windows. I'm framing pictures from what's going on in the cafe. That's from standing back there, looking that way. That's inside the Sunday school room. So that brings us to the spring of 2011. We moved in here, and we had our first meeting in this building. It was Easter Sunday. We made it in. We passed the inspections. They gave us the occupancy. We moved in and had our first meeting, April 2011. But it wasn't just a new location. We had a new name. We were no longer Firehouse Number 1. We were now what you all know as the Firehouse Church. And we've been here ever since. And we've had lots of awesome stuff happen here. Would you agree? I hope you would agree. I think there's been lots of things. I was sort of trying to think through what are the awesome things that have happened here. We've had weddings in this building. We've had people who were part of the church who, who got married, which is really exciting. That's a great thing. We've had children be born, children who have attended church for the first time in their life right here. That is cool. I think that is really cool. We've had conferences in this building. We have had meetings in this building. We, we hosted a few 5K races for the neighborhood a couple times. When we had more people who were interested in doing that. We've had festivals, fall festivals and winter festivals and spring festivals and family festivals. We've had birthday parties. Neighborhood meetings have happened here and so on and so forth. We've had a couple other churches merge with us. And some of you came in those those times. We've helped plant other churches and send people to other churches and other places. We've been participating in all of this work of the Lord right here. Most importantly though, and this is my prayer at the beginning and I've seen it happen and I'm so thankful that there's been a number of people who walked through those front doors and we're. At the moment they walked through those doors, they were separated from God for eternity. They were dead in their sins. And they came here, and they heard the gospel, and the gospel was shared with them, and they walked out of those doors, and their lives were changed. And I go, it was all worth it. It was all worth it for that. And so that was, I think, the best thing that's happened. Now, there's been hard things that have happened here, too. There's been hard things and sad things. We've had funerals. We've had memorial services. We've... I know I personally, and probably many of you as well, have had a number of difficult, challenging conversations right here in this building. And you go, wow, that was really hard. That was messy. There's been a number of people who've been here and been part of our church and been part of our lives. And they've moved on to do other things. And some of them have done it in a peaceful way. And some of them have done that in a way with a lot of conflict and a lot of yucky stuff. And you know, there's been things that we've tried as a church. We've, we've tried a number of things here. We've worked hard at a number of things. We've poured our energy and our dreams into a number of things. And those things don't always live. They didn't live. And we've had to lay them to rest and move on from them after a season. And so through it all, this place, this building, I know it does for me, and I'm sure it does for you, holds a special place in our hearts. And we go, that's great. But guess what? Our church is not a place... This building is not our church. That's not it. I think most of us know this. And so I'd like you right now just to stand up. If you started coming to this church, if you became part of this church after we moved into this building, stand up. That is most of you. Right? OK, you can sit down. That was good. I just wanted you all to see that that, oh, we're just oh, moving through these chapters. you've joined in most of you have joined in to what God is doing at this church in the season and the chapter that has been since we moved into this building in 2011. But the church is not this place. Remember everybody's salvation story at the beginning? you was saved at these different times, these different places, and the Lord has knit us together. We've all come from these different places and these different times, and this building has just played one chapter of that story. It's just been one player, one character, and the chapter of that story, and we are beginning a new chapter this year. So we ask that question what is the church? And what is our church? And what is the firehouse church? What is it? Well, this scripture is what speaks to me. Ephesians 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are a household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple to the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So what is the church? What is the church? The church is not what we do. The church is not where we meet. The church is who we are. The church is who we are and who are we? There's a picture from our Mark conference last week. That is who our church is. And so we're going to head into a a season of transition this year and I'm not going to give you any more details today and you're probably bummed about that. But you'll have to come back next time. But as we move on from this building and as we move into something new and something that I think is really exciting and really neat, I have three encouragements for you as we start to walk out this process. The first one is this. Be present. Matthew six thirty four. Jesus says, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, what we don't want, Brad and I and the leaders of the church, we don't want people running down the road into a lot of what-ifs and maybe this and what about that and don't run down that road. Be present. Be present. Be here in the moment. There is going to be joy in the midst of this specific step of our journey. And guess what? To be present in that moment, you have to be present. You've got to be here. You've got to be part of things. And so that's my encouragement to you is as we walk through this process, make those choices. Make those choices to be here, to be with us, to listen and to learn. And again, if you can't be here, get the recordings and make that time and listen to it. Second encouragement for you is to be prepared. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14 says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. So I was thinking about at home, right? Probably most of us have homes. Everybody here has a home, right? And if you take care of your home, the seasons change, particularly in a place like Colorado, and we have to do what? We got to do different things, right? The seasons change. Summer shows up and I know my house, I got to oh, I got to go out to the AC unit. I got to make sure it's cleaned off and I got to make sure it's running right and we got to change the filter on the furnace. Oh, there's probably some yard work that needs to happen. There's some preparation that has to happen. Same thing in winter. I've got to make sure the shovel gets out. I got to put on the storm windows or take off the screens. I got to make sure my kids have warm clothes to wear. We all have those preparation things. And there's as we go into this new season of changed, there has to be a sense of preparation for us. The season is changing at our church, so prepare by praying, prepare by listening, prepare by seeking God deeply. I would encourage each one of us to be seeking God deeply this year, individually, so we can be hearing from Him and walking in step with Him. So, if you are sleepy in your faith, wake up! If you are apathetic in your faith, step up! We need to do it. Stand firm in the faith and be strong, like it says in 1 Corinthians. A third encouragement is to be peaceful. John 16, Jesus says, In me, you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So when we face change, when we face a new season, when we face the obstacles that we have to overcome, what's our reaction as humans? Our typical reaction is fear. What does this verse tell us? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be at peace. And so in the same way, as we walk this journey out as a church this year, as we transition into something new, I am encouraging each one of us to seek the peace that's found only in Jesus Christ. Amen? He has overcome the world and he's with us. And so like I said next week, We're going to hear from Tim. Lord willing, we're going to hear from Tim. And a big part of what Tim has to share with us is how the church, which is, like we said, God's people, how the church is thriving in China as they face some really big obstacles of persecution and other things going on. And some of that persecution there means not having a nice, big, warm place to meet on a Sunday, or being able to do that. And so as we listen to Tim when he shares with us, I want you to consider a couple things. One, think to yourself, how would I respond to those circumstances if I was in those circumstances? It's always a good heart check for any of us. Second thing we can ask is, could I still connect with God if I didn't have all the freedoms and niceties that we have for faith here? Could I still connect with God? And would I still connect with God? And the third question you can ask is, how can I see those obstacles faced by the Chinese believers? How can I see those obstacles? And how can I then have a better perspective on my own obstacles or our obstacles as a church that we're facing this year as we move forward? So as I close, I'll just say this. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. Every single person here. I'm so thankful. I thank God for every one of you. And I am excited to walk out this journey of 2020 together with every single one of you. And we're going to answer that question, where are we going? And I'm trusting the Lord in it. So I'll pray and we'll close. Thank you, Heavenly Father. God, thank you that we can ask that question, where are we going? We can lay out plans and we can seek direction and we can have a good idea of what's going to work and what's going to not, but we'll get to wherever we're going and we'll find that you're already there. Because you know, you know where we're going. You know the steps we're going to take. And Lord, we just want to walk in step with you this year. God, I'm going to take this opportunity this morning, Lord, even just to share this with everybody as a chance for us to thank you for what you have done in the life of our church. We thank you for how you have guided us and blessed us. God, I'm thankful for each person, Lord. Every single salvation story, every single faith journey is different. And yet you brought them together into this place. And you're knitting us together. Lord, I thank you for that. And I, I look forward to what you have in store for us in the future. We ask your blessing on 2020 and beyond in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.